everyone, this is Alex Malou for the IBC Amina podcast. We are talking AminaCom, and I'm joined by somebody very special from APAC. Uh, I have with me Dr. Rajiv Kumar. How are you doing, Dr. Rajiv? Very well, Alex. It's a pleasure to be here today talking to you. Likewise, you are somebody who's very well known to IBC, especially in APAC. But before we jump into what you're going to be doing at AminaCom, can you tell us a little bit about yourself in your own words? Let me start. Uh, I had a military school upbringing, and uh, I was always fond of reading and writing. And then I was the editor of my school magazine. I wrote essays on a variety of topics, continuously discovering the meaning of life. And my passion for communication continued through my 28 years of military career. I was in the infantry and I fought insurgencies for about 13 years. I was also deputed to the United Nations mission in Iraq and Kuwait post the 1991 Gulf War. So I have taught in military academies. I have commanded combat units in challenging terrains and circumstances. So military command and leadership relies immensely on communication. And all along, I had planned to develop a parallel career in communication. The Army also appointed me as a director of media. And uh, I framed many media policies for the Army, undertook media briefings, and became the spokesperson for the Indian Army when operational issues came under the focus of the media. Later on, I earned my PhD in organizational communication. I was a Fulbright doctoral fellow at Texas A&M. I took a premature exit from the Army as a colonel, and thus commenced my second career in communication. It was at the same time that I joined IABC in the year 2000, and now now I've been a member for 18 years. And IABC has enriched my doctoral work as well as uh, the global community of its membership has become my second family. I went on to earn the accreditation and then served IABC in several capacities as the vice chair of the inaugural Global Communication Certification Council and later as chair of the Asia-Pacific regions. And all these years have been full of active learning while at the same time offering me the joy of giving back to an organization that gave me knowledge, experience, and an excellent network of uh, friendly communication experts. In my professional life, I undertook research in communication extensively, including the topic that I will be talking about. I've also authored a book on entrepreneurship that focused on how communication was used to build entrepreneurship within organizations and how they succeeded. I've also been a professor at a business school, and I've also worked with large corporates in India, such as the Tata Group and Lawson and & Tubro. And another uh, achievement was I developed a three-hour simulation in crisis communication that was designed to train the heads of corporate communications. Now, this simulation won an international recognition when it was awarded the silver in uh, best simulation design by the LearnX Foundation. So currently, I'm an independent communication consultant and a visiting faculty for teaching institutions 
management institutions in India, and I conduct communication workshops for a lot of companies. That's about me. So let's talk about Aminacom. You're going to be talking on the subject of internal communications, uh, particularly when it comes to discourse. Now, what is going to be part of this? What, what are you going to be focusing on during your presentation? You know, in change situation, communication becomes central and professional communicators uh, are at the core of successful change management. Now we have seen many change efforts fail because they fail to acknowledge change as a social activity involving people from diverse social groups who will tend to interpret issues and situations and different and often quite divergent ways. And it is always seen that it is the human side of the planning and implementation strategy that usually makes the difference between success and failure. Now, a variety of factors will shape employees' thinking because everybody weighs the information in a very personal way. They size up the situation, draw conclusions that reflect their own slant or viewpoint. They may develop a negative mindset about change based on misinterpretation, faulty assumptions, sometimes ill motives, or even wrong-headed thinking in general. So when they come to these wrong conclusions and there is a collection of misperceptions about change, it's important to challenge these misperceptions and prevent them from developing at all in the first place through proper communication. Now, when we look at change processes, sense-making and influence, these emerge as very fundamental processes in the instigation of change. And I've seen that metaphors are in use in organizations. In every organization, we use them unconsciously in whatever the language the leaders speak, in whatever journals uh, we write on, internal journals, However, employees, what, how do the employees react? You can detect metaphors in use even in their talk. So when we look at metaphors, we are looking at metaphors because they carry connotations on a cognitive, emotional, and a behavioral level in a holistic way. So the study of metaphors will reveal a lot about organizational reality. And today, Managing metaphors of change is regarded as a very critical competency for leaders and change agents. Metaphors can be used also for diagnosing problems in an organization, and they are used as a vehicle for change. So what I'm going to talk about is that there is a need for strategic communication planning in concert with business strategy for any change initiative with a special focus on conscious use of metaphors in communication. So metaphors are useful both for diagnosing problems, they're also useful for uh, looking, making people look at the same thing in a different way and change their perspective. A changing mindset is a big challenge and communicators must be up to this challenge. So this session will primarily explain how discourse can be used 
as a strategic resource for transformative communication and collaboration. I will also touch upon two case studies of Indian companies that reveal how strategic change was brought about by engaging in discursive activity that involved the use of symbols, narratives, and metaphors. New concepts were you know, contextually introduced into the culture and embedded through metaphors. And these metaphors were carefully chosen because metaphors should be receptive to the audience and they must resonate with the employees. So if we learn this art of using metaphors correctly in our communication and we place them within a very meaningful context, it can generate new meanings and shape understandings and it will result in constructive action according to the organizational goal and intention. So these case studies will be good examples to understand how metaphors are diagnosed, how metaphors are then replaced, and how they can influence all stakeholders, and how a metaphorical dialogue also takes place between employees and the management, as the current perspectives which are existent in organizations they will get contested, they will get displaced, they will get transformed, they could get modified or reinforced. So it's a very good tool to have in your repertoire and all communicators must be skilled in looking at metaphors in organizations in order to become good strategic advisors. Okay, let me build on that. Let me ask you a question in terms of change and multicultural settings. So if you look at the Middle East, there are many organizations going through a change in the moment, either transformational in terms of strategy, they're moving maybe from private to public ownership, or other, other things are happening to them due to the nature of the region. But when you also look at a region such as the Middle East, not even just the Middle East, possibly also Europe, you see multicultural organizations, you see a great deal of diversity within those organizations. How do metaphors play out when you have diverse audiences? How do you leverage metaphors maybe when the understanding is not universal among uh, the, the audience you're engaging with? That's a very good question because a metaphors in order to resonate uh, must be uh, placed in the proper context. And uh, many metaphors, if, if I place a certain metaphor which is in use in the Indian culture in, in the UAE or in Europe, it may not gel. For example, let me give you an example. Uh, one union primarily uh, said that the the uh, the management should not cross uh, the Lakshman Rekha. Now, Lakshman Rekha in Indian mythology uh, comes from Indian mythology where it means a sacred line which is not to be crossed. Now, uh, that so a, a, an Indian who has read the uh, you know culture and the the myth about the story about this would quickly understand what it means that it's a sacred line not to be crossed. But any other cultural uh, background would not get the impact of the metaphor in place. Similarly, what you are saying is also a big challenge because most companies have diverse uh, 
uh, forces and who come from different cultures. So the choice of metaphor to be used has to be something that can be universally understood by all of them. And that can only be undertaken, the choice of metaphor can only be done if we do some basic research. You have to look that you have to look as to how um, we must first study what are the metaphors in use in organizations. And you must ask questions such as first, what do the metaphors produced or existent tell us about the organization? Second, what do the images generated by these metaphors tell us about the intra-organizational and stakeholder relations that the company has? Then we look at a general pattern, or is there an underlying coherence to the metaphors chosen? And what organizational insights are provided by the, by the people who use these metaphors? And it is only after we have studied what are the metaphors in use do we come to the decision at what metaphors need to be replaced or introduced in order to build new perspectives. So even though your workforce may be diverse, you will have to choose a metaphor which resonates with all, which, which amounts to a common understanding. So you'll have to see that it doesn't delve into just one cultural uh, understanding, but a multicultural understanding. For example, the metaphors of the family metaphor, we, we refer to organizations as a family. Uh, for example, the military metaphor, now these are universal metaphors and uh, you have to see which is the most applicable one and look at health for example, health as a metaphor, survival as a metaphor. You look at these and see that these are universally applicable and you have to choose one which resonates with one and all. So I think that uh, research would be required to choose which is the most appropriate metaphor in a particular given situation keeping the goal of the organization in mind. Well, there's going to be a lot to talk about during your presentation because metaphors, as we all know, are a powerful means of conveying a message and, and also helping people understand the meaning behind that message. So I want to thank you for your time today, Dr. Rajiv, and say we're looking forward to welcoming you to Bahrain in February at Aminacom. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And uh, thank you for uh, putting yourself forward for this presentation. Thank you very much, Alex. I look forward to meeting all of you there. Stay tuned for another episode in a couple of days' time. Until then, take care.